Hello, today we are going over the doctrine of redemption, um, and a specific portion of that is sanctification. The key verse for this is Philippians 2, 12-13, which says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The author writes, the Christian life is one of ongoing change. And over time, the believer um, ideally experiences a transformation of both desire and outward behavior. This lifelong process of becoming more holy is called sanctification. These changes originate from the powerful work of God's indwelling spirit to conform the believer into the image of Christ. The spirit's presence enables the believer to work hard to change. This change is not a steady climb toward the greater and greater holiness. Rather, it is the slow progressive work of repentance and faith of seeing more clearly one's sin and becoming increasingly reliant on God's gracious promise to transform us. The doctrine of sanctification reminds us that God is working in us, which gives us confidence to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. When God's Spirit unites us to Christ and regenerates our hearts, we indeed become new creatures. But this does not mean that the sin is altogether eliminated from our hearts. We are still corrupted by sin, though it is no longer our master. And for this, we can see Romans 6.20, Romans 7.14-25, 1 John 1.8, and 1 John 2.1. John Murray, in his classic book, Redemptions Accomplished and Applied, explains that in this life, we are not yet so conformed to the image of Christ that we are no longer sinful. The New Testament tells us that our entire sanctification will not be realized until the body of our humiliation will be transformed into the likeness of the body of Christ's glory. When the corruptible will put on the incorruption and the mortal will put on the immortality. Philippians 3.21 and 1 Corinthians 15.54 until then, says Murray, we are constantly dependent upon the supernatural agency of Holy Spirit. Murray further says that we must also remember that sanctification is a process that draws within its scope the conscious life of the believer. Sanctification is not a passive or inactive process, he explains. Nothing shows this more clearly than the exhortation of the apostle. Work of your, or sorry, work at your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Philippians two twelve and thirteen. The salvation referred to here is not salvation already in possession by the. Uh, oof, that's a really big word. E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L Estological, I don't know, sorry, uh, 
that word salvation. And references for that is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, 1 Thessalonians 9, 1 Peter 1, 5, 1 Peter 9, and 1 Peter 2, 2. And no text sets forth more subsequently and clearly the relation of God's working up to our working. God's working in us is not suspended by because we work, nor are working suspended because God works. Neither is this relation strictly one of cooperation, as if God did his part and we did ours. So the conjunction or coordination of both parties produced the required result. God's work in us, and we also work. But the relation is that because God's work, we work. All working out of salvation on our part is the effect of God's working in us, not the willing to the exclusion of the doing and not the doing to the exclusion of the willing, but the willing and the doing. And this working of God is directed to the end of enabling us to will and to do that which is pleasing to him. Paul not only urges us to work out our own salvation, but also encourages us with assurance that God is working in us. And the more persistent we are in working out our salvation, the more persuaded we may be that all the energizing grace and power we receive comes from the Lord. In the workplace, we often come across aspects of our character and behaviors that we want to change. Murray helps us understand that sanctification is not a Christian version of self-help. While we do strive to become better people, the process of sanctification begins with and always includes conviction of sin. Aware of our sin, we realize that sanctification is not self-improvement, that change can occur only by God's grace. And knowing that God's work is in us gives us confidence to work toward that change. And then now we go into the deeper at work portion, which is written from someone talking about this experience they have at work. And it it is from an information technology specialist, IT. Early in my career, I worked as the director of information technology at a small liberal arts college. While I was there, the college grew dramatically and became a university adding multiple graduate programs, but as it expanded, I saw an unfortunate shift in its vision. Imagining myself as a modern Jeremiah, called by God to speak against the evils wrought by corrupt leadership, I regularly voiced my, and this is in quotation, right opinions, and protested the administration's again, um, quoted, wrong decisions. Eventually, I found myself looking for another job. That experience convinced me that something was wrong in my life and that I need to confront some serious sins. I repented of my self-centeredness, asking God to change me. I then worked for a small nonprofit that, like many others, had trouble generating income. The director had some success, but he was a micromanager and would criticize 
through emails using cutting language. I was most bothered by the effect his management style had on younger, more vulnerable employees, and I struggled with my anger over how he treated them. Although I told him that his ways were demoralizing and he agreed with me somewhat, nothing changed. As I prayed about it, I decided to alter my tactics. Instead of acting like a prophet, I decided to act like a peacemaker, trying to get our team to think positively. Even though I made some mistakes, I could see my efforts were helping. Eventually, the money ran out and I had to find other work, but I knew that God was changing me, enabling me to let go of being right. I now work in local government and often find myself disagreeing with my colleagues about issues like the types of testing we should do or who should be responsible for certain tasks. In my leadership role, I could easily establish myself as an expert and insist that we use my technology and my methodology. But I no longer want to be the person who is always right. I want to be the person who helps our team succeed and find unity. Even if we disagree on or say how to classify the types of testing or what wording to use in requirements, we can all agree that testing is important. The process of letting go of the need to be right has been long and at times painful. It has given me incredible joy when I look with others and try to help them grow instead of trying always trying to always have my ways, my team has greater unity. Our dynamics are much healthier and we talk about things besides software testing. Father, thank you that you are working in us, that it is not really at all up to us to bring this stuff forward, but it's it's you working through us that um, we are able to work with work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is you who's working out the will to act in order to fulfill your good purpose. Thank you that. Um, we don't have to be worried about whether or not we will get it right. Um, And thank you also that we don't have to worry about being right, that it's okay for us to make those mistakes because it's all part of the process. As long as we're willing to um, just continue to abide in you and to be connected with you, Holy Spirit. You're working in us and through us to change us, to be more like you, Jesus. And that grace works in all our operations. Just like the IT specialist was talking about how he started to see the changes that he needed to make, um, from his first career and his second career, from having to be right to working as a team, 
he was able to see how that started to have effects and worked better with the people. And he, it, it shows about how you're working through us, no matter what situations we are and, and where we're at. So we can have the confidence to trust you in that process. We can have the confidence to know that, um, that it's really, it's okay. It's not up to us. It's, it's really up to you and you're working all things out for your good. We just got to be along for the ride and willing to participate with you in it. And that willingness to participate with you in it really isn't even up. We can't have that pride and boast in it. I mean, it says that that's all done because of what you're doing in us, what you're working and perfecting in us. And um, also about the verses where it, it wasn't in this section of the New Testament, but it it talks about whatever Christ began in us, he will not finish until it is complete. Um, and I, I love those verses because there are times when I often feel like a hopeless cause, cause, <laughs> cause, sorry. And I feel like... Um, Nothing I do is ever right or, you know, if I, I'm trying to help people, but all I end up doing is making things worse and I just want to give up and not be involved in, uh, in any dealings with other people. I kind of want to just go isolate and, and be alone. And that's not what you've called us to be. You've called us to be a part of, um, community and, Verses like that remind me that I can have hope. You're still working in me. Even though it looks like I'm failing, it's really not me failing. It's more me learning. Um, it's it's you purging out that inmost being of me that they talk about in Psalms and Proverbs. Um, you're, you're, you're calling, at, you're showing all the bad stuff that's in me, Holy Spirit. It's working itself out. And you're making me more like you, Jesus. It might seem like failures to me right now because of the side of life I'm on um, or because I'm not looking at it the way you see it. But once I'm able to step back and look at it the way you see it, it's like, oh, I can see you are working in me. I've progressed in all these areas and you are changing me for the better. And also these verses help encourage me for those that I know that are struggling. There's people that I've been praying for for a long time um, who know you, but they just, I don't know, it seems like they're still wanting to do things their way. And instead of giving up hope for them, I can be encouraged to not give up hope, to still continue to pray for them and know that you are working in them and um, and have confidence and faith in that. So thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for so
so wisely orchestrating all the only you could do this. <laughs> I mean, to plan all this out from the beginning of time and have it to work out the way it does, even though there's so many things trying to work against it, they pale in comparison to you, um, which to me just points out even more so that all of this is real and that you really are God and you really do love us and you really do want us to be your children, um, co-heirs to the throne with Jesus. And it's just beyond what my mind can comprehend, but I, I thank you for that. Uh, I ask that you be with everyone who listens to this, that you help them to have to accept your peace and your grace that you're working in them and the confidence to know going forward that um, that you're you're changing them for the good and it's not up to them it's up to you and that um, we can rejoice in that and I ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name Amen Hope you all have a wonderful day.